This is episode 239 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Critical Document Backup, an Often Overlooked Prep, and Scavenging for Survival. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, you can make sure that you get the Prepper Website Podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. We make it very easy for you to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other favorite podcast network. And if you do feel you are receiving value from the podcast, we do appreciate your kind reviews. Our first article of the podcast comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And they discussed it in this article, uh, but you know this isn't one of the most sexy topics when it comes to preparedness. But it's one of those that is very important, and if you ever find yourself in the need for this, you would greatly or you'll be very thankful that you took the time to do this. Uh, this is talking about making those critical document backups. And so the title is Critical Document Backup and Often Overlooked Prep. And, you know, when you think about it, I, I know that I saw a lot of posts on this when uh, Hurricane Harvey was going on here in, in the Houston area. But, uh, you know, people who had their their important documents and they were flooded or they ruined or whatever, you know, how valuable would it have been to have uh, a digital copy or even, you know, a, another hard copy of those important documents. And so it would have just saved a lot of time, a lot of headaches if something like that would have been done. So we get a little bit of uh, or get a little bit of information on uh, how to do that, maybe some ideas here. And hopefully it would spur you because I know that we have a lot of new people listening uh, to the to the podcast, new preppers, people new to preparedness. And so hopefully this is something that you will take a little bit of time to do uh, and uh, it, it will pay off greatly if you ever need it. So let's go ahead and jump right into this article. The topic of storing copies of important documents comes up in prepper circles from time to time. It is generally not the most thrilling topic and doesn't often get the attention it deserves. As we go through life, we accumulate documents that are important to some aspect of our lives. Many of these are difficult or impossible to replace. As an example, my high school had a fire long after I graduated. Many records were destroyed and then the building was repaired and converted into a middle school. Imagine if I had to prove I had graduated from high school and did not have a copy of my diploma. We need to protect these documents from any disaster from a house fire to Tiatwaki. Here is a list of critical documents you might possess that comes off the top of my head. A birth certificate, identification like passports and driver's license, social, social security cards, immigration and naturalization documents, military service documents, other identification. Maybe your marriage and divorce documents or your medical records, dental records, disability records and caregiver documents, contact information, ownership documents like deeds and car titles and registrations, firearm ownership documents, art and other valuables, financial accounts, other ownership documents, credit documents like mortgages and home equity, car loans, credit cards, utility and other recurring bills, 
others and like others uh well that's credit documents but i saw mortgage i'm gonna just jump right in here i remember reading an article once about people who were returning back in, i think it was back when there was a lot of fires going on i can't remember exactly which state but people were trying to get back to their homes and they were only allowing people actually it was here in tomball now that i remember so it's a suburb of houston people were trying to get back to their homes but they weren't allowing them if uh, unless they had they were on the deed right and so if you were if you had another family living with you or whatever and they weren't on the deed to the home or or whatever or they weren't kids then they weren't going with you and uh, so you know that's that's important as well or let's just say you have some uh, you have a retreat property and you have the same kind of I you know same thing happen where uh, you need to go check on your property but they're not letting you back there unless you know you can show that you actually do uh, belong back there and so you need to have uh, those kinds of uh, records there all right so other just continuing on insurance policies diplomas and other education records licenses firearm carry permits and proof of ownership documents wills and other estate documents living wills contracts business documents three years of tax returns prepper inventory and prepper plans I don't think military records were in there. At least I don't remember reading that. Oh, no. Military service documents were actually in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, all those uh, lot, big old lists there. Uh, you might have even forgotten some of those that you're like, hey, yeah, that might be something important that I need to, 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 uh, to have a copy of. All right. So your personal history may include other documents that you would want to add to the list. One of the benefits of making backup copies of all of your critical documents is it will force you to organize them. Once you have the documents for your family assembled and organized, you need to produce copies. I recommend that you have at least one set of paper copies and that they be stored outside your home, but in a safe location. Acid-free paper should be used rather than typical copy paper to ensure longer life for the paper copies. Next, you will need to scan copies so you have an electronic copy. If you don't have a scanner at home, you can get scanning done at most office supply stores like Staples. Make sure you bring a thumb drive or be prepared to purchase one. Once you have a scanned image of each document, the electronic copies can be easily copied onto CDs or more thumb drives. The copies can be placed in multiple locations. I do not recommend using cloud storage for these in order to secure them against being hacked. Do keep multiple copies so you can have copies that are secure as well as copies that are accessible. Fortunately, backing up your documents is one of the least expensive things you'll do as a prepper. The cost consists of some paper and a few thumb drives or CDs. Your time is worth more, but this is a difficult task to leave to someone else, so you should do it yourself. Depending on where you store the copies, you may spend a small amount, such as for a safe deposit box, or you might simply place copies with a relative and offer to store theirs in return. This is also an opportunity to open a dialogue on prepping and possibly serving as mutual BOLs or bug out locations. Reconstructing your critical documents can be a monumental task in normal times, so even if you aren't a prepper, copying them is a worthwhile precaution. Your cost to protect yourself in the fashion or in this fashion is minimal, but you will need to be sufficiently organized to get the job done 
and occasionally update your backups with new documents over time. All right, so some great advice there as far as you know making copies, having a hard copy, having digital copies, and then you know getting one of those copies to uh, a family member that you trust, and just like, hey, can I can I leave this here with you? These are important documents. If if anything ever happens to my home or whatever, and you might uh, want to do the same, I'll be happy to keep your your documents. Right. I remember hearing that advice from Dr. Prepper himself. Uh, back uh, years and years ago, did an interview with him, and that's a great advice there. Um, you know, I would say that doing it, you know, having if you have a high speed scanner, you could do a little bit at a time and, and kind of get it done. I mean, there's a lot of information here. Uh, you know, I don't know if if it said bank accounts, I can't remember if bank accounts were in there. I was just kind of thinking about that one. Uh, bank accounts, maybe some old bank accounts. Maybe if you have like mutual funds and you have, you know, uh, th- that kind of stuff, uh, you know, stocks and bonds. And of course, you want all those account numbers. You want all those uh, placed to put in one place. But anyway, so, uh, you know, definitely the, the hard copy and the digital copy. But it, I, I was going, I was talking about the, uh, the actual scanner. So uh, a lot of people have those, uh, you know, those three in one type scanners, right? Where it's like, uh, you have a, or actually four and one. I used to have one. Whereas a scanner, it's a copier, it's a fax machine, it's a printer, right? All those. The only problem with those, uh, unless you just have a really new one and it's really, you know, you paid a little bit of money for it, um, they're not very high speed. But you know, taking a little bit of time, you can just do a little bit at a time and and get it done. If you want to knock this all out like in an afternoon, you just get all the all your documents together and head over to like Staples like he was talking about. The other thing that you can do is there is a phone app that I use. And so when I officiate weddings, um, I'm supposed to keep a copy of the of the wedding certificate or the marriage license before I either turn it over to the couple and they uh, take it to the court, you know, and go get it stamped and all that kind of stuff, or I send it in for them. Um, but I used to just go and make a, a, a copy, you know, a regular hard copy and keep those. But I, f- I started doing using my uh, an app on my phone called Cam Scanner, so that's C A M Scanner, and uh, it's a great little great little app. You can turn it in whatever you scan. You can turn it into a like a JPEG. You can turn it into a PDF. You can upload it to Dropbox or, or like Google Drive. And I know that you talked about not storing it in the cloud, but just to make it easier for you, or you can just connect your phone. If your phone is, you know, you can just connect it to your computer and download it from there. Uh, but it makes it really easy. And so the app actually has like a level on it. So you see when you're, when you're level and uh, allows you to grab the, the, the shot and then you can go ahead and, and make it smaller and bring in the sides and all that kind of crop it. And, and make it look as nice as possible, and then you can go ahead and save it. So uh, I, I like that app. I use it, like I said, when I officiate weddings. It just makes it very easy so I can sign it and take my picture and go ahead and give it back to the couple uh, right away so that they can take care of uh, what, whatever they need to take care of. So that's another option that you have for you for yourself there. And again, that would be, you know, you would create those digital copies uh, and then you could drop them onto a thumb drive and take them over to Staples and print them there or just print them from your home computer if, if you have that ability to do that. So a good article there. Again, like uh, like I said, it's not one of those sexy topics, but it's one of those that I'm telling you a lot of people uh, are, are in the situation where they wish they would have. And that last 
that last paragraph there where he talked about, uh, you know, reconstructing your critical documents can be a monumental task. I mean, can you imagine being in a crisis situation? And maybe it's not like the, you know, the end of the world type stuff or, or whatever, poop hit the fan. Maybe it's just your, you know, poop hit the fan situation, like Hurricane Harvey, or you had a fire. Or you, can you imagine having to, to track down all those documents? And, and inevitably, you would forget about something. And then months down the road, you're like, oh, yeah, I need to get that. You know, where, where do I even begin to go get that? But here you can have all of that stuff all in one place. And so a uh, great idea, something, a project to do. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll, you'll find a little value in that one. So that's over at Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. Hope you go check that one out. All right, our next article comes to us from Survival Weekly. Uh, I think it's been a while since I've actually read an article from, uh, from this website. It's survivalweekly.com and it's Jim Cobb's uh, website. And he puts out a lot of great information and he's on Facebook uh, a, a lot in, in providing a lot of preparedness information there and he's got some really great books. But uh, here, this article here, I thought it would be, you know, it's one of those that people probably think about when, you know, if the poop hits the fan and some of you are, will be like, Todd, okay, this is kind of like Walking Dead. This is kind of like one of those, you know, dystopian novels or uh, end of the world type movies. But, you know, it's something that I'm sure people think about. And, uh, you know, if you ever find yourself in that situation, you want to have some ideas and some, some options. You have, have a little bit of uh, knowledge to kind of draw from. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. And uh, I want to tell you what it reminded me of when, uh, when I get to the end of this article. Uh, I'll share that with you. So let's go ahead and read uh, Scavenging for Survival from SurvivalWeekly.com. Should a major collapse occur, whether prompted by economic failure, natural disaster, or something else, we hope that we've taken all the precautions we can to provide for ourselves and our families. After all, many of us have spent years working on our preps, from food storage to bug out plans and more. The thing is, we're all presumably human and therefore we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We might run out of something or the supply we have gets ruined. The longer the crisis goes on, the more likely we are to be presented with opportunities for scavenging. Businesses will fold and end up abandoned. People will perish or flee, leaving behind homes and their belongings. In addition, there will likely be all sorts of backpacks and gear scattered in forests from coast to coast left there by ill-prepared quote-unquote survivalists who bugged out after graduating from YouTube University with degrees in, quote, I watched a guy do it and it didn't look hard at all, end quote. After a few days, the prepared and patient survivor might very well have their pick of all sorts of high-end packs, knives, and other gear. The question becomes, is it scavenging or looting? This might be an important distinction. Many of us have seen the homemade signs that crop up in the wake of disasters that indicate the fate of looters in the area. Here's how I look at it. If items of value have no clear ownership, such as stuff found in the back of an abandoned and burned out convenience store, and those items will serve to keep you and yours alive, it is scavenging. If the items are clearly owned by someone else and or they survive little purpose aside from being inherently valuable, it is looting. In the event of a complete societal breakdown, activities that today are viewed as unacceptable may become necessary. 
I mean, let's say you got home today and we're told, hey, we've decided to cut back on water usage. From now on, we're all crapping in buckets and then hauling it outside to be dumped. For many of us, that's not acceptable, and if water conservation is a concern, we'll find other ways to accomplish it. But after a disaster, poop buckets will probably become commonplace. Scavenging for survival might very well become just as common, at least in some areas. Let's take a look at some locations where you could find supplies that others might overlook. Please do not take this as a sort of encouragement to go out and pillage the countryside like drunken Vikings on shore leave. Instead, this is merely some advice as to where you would might find items critical to survival after a complete and total breakdown of society and order. Also, bear in mind, just because you have your own definition of scavenging doesn't mean everyone else might agree with it. Be alert at all times. First one is restaurants. These will be a prime target for looters and scavengers, but they might miss something. Check through all cabinets, cupboards, and shelves. Be aware that some restaurants have a separate room or area for storing dry goods. Think beyond food items, too. Many restaurants will have cans of gelled fuel, commonly referred to as the brand name Sterno. While these cans don't generate enough heat to actually cook many things, they work well for heating up cans of soup or stew, thus saving your stove fuel or firewood for later. If they did much catering, they will probably have paper plates and cups, plastic utensils, and related items. These are good to have as they will decrease the water needed to wash dishes. Any of the paper goods can just be burned. Plastic items can be trashed or washed for reuse. Taverns and bars. Naturally, these will be a target due to the alcoholic beverage inside. Many taverns also serve food. If people are too focused on ransacking for the booze, they may overlook other supplies. Look for canned or jarred fruits and other drink garnishes. A few candy cherries might be a nice treat after living off of Chef Boyardee for the last few weeks. Look for vending machines that may not have been pried open yet. Schools. Cafeteria kitchens might have some canned goods that were left behind. Check in the teacher's desk, too, for snacks and such. Take a peek in the home economics classroom, if there is one, as they might have some food stored there. If they had shop class, you could probably find tools and possibly some sorts of building materials. Be careful, though. Schools can be rambling structures with lots of nooks and crannies where survivors can hide. If they feel they've laid claim to the school, they might not be happy with intruders taking what they feel is rightfully theirs. Hospitals. Honestly, these are probably better avoided if you have the choice. Odds are they will not be fun places to visit after a collapse. They will have been looted several times over as people search for drugs. That said, if you end up working your way through a hospital in search of supplies, look in every single cupboard drawer and cabinet you see. Each one will have been stocked with one thing or another. The cafeteria might have been spared at least some of the chaos and thus you might find some food and water there. Libraries. These are precious resources and should be protected if at all possible. They don't house food, water, or supplies but the knowledge residing therein may prove critical to the community at large. Office buildings. Look in desk drawers for snacks and bottled water. 
There are likely vending machines and break rooms too. Who knows, you might find someone's workplace emergency kit that they left behind. They should, there should also be numerous fire extinguishers on the premises. Never know when one of them might come in handy. Factories. Obviously, whatever the factory made will probably be in, abund- in abundance, along with whatever materials and supplies are used in the process. These may include sheet metal, lumber, various chemicals, tools, and such. There should be at least some amount of first aid supplies on hand, too, along with fire extinguishers. Look for safety equipment like eye protection and gloves, as these could come in handy when you're working on projects. Most break rooms will have vending machines, too. Warehouses. These will be another prime target, especially the ones that act as distribution centers for grocery stores and other big box retailers. But they tend to be so massive, odds are good even one that has been picked over a few times will still have some goodies inside. Like factories, they will also have fire extinguishers, safety gear, first aid kits, and break rooms. When embarking on a scavenging trip, be sure to bring with you empty packs or other sorts of bags you can use to bring back your treasure. On top of that, never leave home without a survival kit, defensive weapon, and a basic plan that you've communicated to those involved that includes where you're headed and when you'll plan to be back. Will you ever really need any of this information? Probably not. But like anything else in the survival arsenal, it is better to have it and never need it than to need it and not have it. In future installments, we'll look at what you stand to gain from abandoned vehicles as well as some tips on securing vacant homes. All right, so a lot of uh, a lot of ideas there. I'm sure that you might even come up with some ideas as well. And feel free to come over to Survival Weekly and drop it in the comment section to to kind of help out there a little bit. Uh, th- there was two things that I really wanted to to share here with you. Uh, the first one was this: if we're ever in a situation that you know we're scavenging, right? <laughs> if, if we're ever in that kind of situation, that is really going to depend on the nature of what got us there that that determines how much loot is out there for us really so if you know it was a slow economic collapse type thing you know nuclear war and there's a lot of people you know along those lines you know a lot of people that are out there surviving yeah things are going to be picked over very very quickly but let's just say there was a fast moving pandemic that really wiped out people then, you know, there might be a lot of items out there, uh, a lot of things that are very useful out there that people don't wind up, uh, wind up getting to. Because if, if for whatever reason, uh, you know, the uh, pandemic starts hitting and people become afraid to go uh, or to leave their homes. And so, you know, you'll, you'll have some segment of society who's going to go out there. They're going to go out there and they're going to probably wind up stealing you know, TVs and different things like that, right? Uh, and maybe eventually they finally get to the food when they realize they need to eat. But, you know, depending on how fast moving. And so I know I'm just talking my, you know, uh, dystopian, you know, into the world type thing ideas here, right? But if, if, if it's a fast moving whatever collapse and it kills off people, there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. If, if not, you know, things are going to get picked over really, really good depending on where you're at and uh, where you are in the country and where you live and if you're in a big city in the suburbs and all that kind of stuff. The other thing is one of the things I was thinking about when I was 
when I was reading this or getting ready to, you know, to, to do this one for the podcast is there was a, a show, I think I've talked about it before, it was called The Colony, and it was uh, put on by the Discovery Channel. And I think, um, I think I heard about it, somebody mentioned it, like on one of those first meetup groups that I ever went to, and uh, this was, you know, way before Prepper Website, and uh, they wound up mentioning it, and I went and looked, and looked for it, I think I found it like on Hulu, or, or I, I don't know, um, you know, I... I I just can't. I can't remember when when I found it uh, or where I found it or whatever. But anyway, uh, maybe it was just the Discovery Channel. I, I think I think you can go there if you have like uh, uh, certain accounts, like with cable accounts or whatever. Uh, you might have access to to this one already. But well, what I wanted to say, it's on YouTube, and so I'm going to link to uh, the YouTube episodes here. Uh, but anyway, so what it was is the Discovery Channel. They come up with a scenario, your pandemic or whatever it is, and so then they they grab uh, or they you know they they put this group together and uh, they have to survive. And so one of the things that they do is they go out and they scavenge. And uh, you know it's it's but it was very interesting. The there was only two seasons of the colony, and uh, you know I I tried to figure out why. There's a, a lot of different things that that I saw online. I'm not uh, completely sure which one is true or not because there is a uh, there was a show in England called The Colony, and then there's one, a current one, I think, right now running called uh, uh, Colony, and but this one was called The Colony Experiment. Uh, so anyway, so a lot of confusion of why it only had two seasons. But anyway, so this first season, it actually, the group that they put together was was really, really good. I mean, the, you know, if you were, if you were going to survive in the apocalypse, you would want to be with this group. Uh, you know, there was all kinds of characters in here. One of the guys, I think he was an engineer or professor, and this guy came up with all the cool stuff. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they I think it was kind of like sponsored by Harbor Freight as well, uh, because, you know, they would find things and it would have like Harbor Freight's name on it and different things like that. But anyway, so at one point they found uh, a bunch of solar panels and they created this big solar array and they had battery uh, a big battery bank backup to 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 you know to to charge them and, uh, and they came up with a lot of cool stuff. Uh, these guys knew what they were doing. So anyway, uh, but you still learned. You still kind of would pick up on on some of those things. Season two happened. So anyway, season one happened. It was uh, somewhere in I think Los Angeles, somewhere in California. Uh, season two happened in Louisiana, and it looked like it was. Uh, uh, a neighborhood, maybe Katrina or whatever, it was abandoned, and so they kind of had the the run of the of uh, the neighborhood, and uh, but it was very very interesting. They, they always pit the group against somebody else, right? Uh, but anyway, the second season they didn't have, uh, you know, it's like there were some people who were just kind of like worthless, right? You know, it's like hey, I'm just along, I'm whatever, you know, and. Uh, you know, like I said, the first group, like everybody was a contributor. Everybody brought something. Everyone had skills, you know, that they could bring. And you know, in the second, the second season, I guess part of the thing is people kind of find themselves and they wind up stepping up and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to say that they're just losers or anything like that. You know, but there was people like in season two that, you know, they, they, they could, they brought skills like they could weld and, and, and different things like that. They could manufacture and, 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 you know, and so, uh, but not everybody could do that. 
But there's a lot of interesting you know, things that, that uh, were on that one as well. So if you've never, and so the whole reason I'm bringing this up, right, and I'm actually linking to it in the show notes, is if, you've, if you're new to preparedness and maybe you've never heard of that show, uh, The Colony, uh, the colony experiment. I mean, I would suggest that you go check it out, and and uh, you might find that as you're as you're watching it, you, you might get sucked in and uh, start binge watching it. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, you can you can sit there and watch. I mean, it was just it was, it was a good show. I thought it was a good show. I don't know if season two is out there, but definitely season one seems to be all intact. And uh, so it was uh, good, good stuff. I wish they would come out with season three. I think that would uh, uh, that would be really good. Season three and four, uh, you know. And uh, I just this was you know, like before Doomsday Preppers and all the other things like that. And and uh, I just think there's a little bit more valuable stuff here if you're looking for like the apocalypse type thing. But even if that, not that. I mean, there was like they talked about the solar and they did all kinds of cool stuff in there. So anyway, uh, that's uh, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. So hopefully, you uh, you'll you'll go check that out if you've never seen that before. So all right, guys, uh, that's going to be it for episode 239 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Uh, some things to consider there, and uh, some things to uh, maybe go check out. So uh, with that, choose to live a more self reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.